everybody. You're listening to the Rude Horror Podcast. I'm Marcus Rude, and today my guest is a producer on uh, a, a newer creature feature film called Cyst, and he's also been a producer on Adjuster Tracking, the VHS documentary. Uh, Travis Ayers is here. How are you hey, doing today, going, Travis? Guys? Oh, not too bad. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm ready to kick off uh, 2021 with uh, hopefully a better year than last year. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping so too. And I'm, I'm hoping that CIST is uh, one of those things that kind of gives 2020 uh, a little better uh, feeling. So hopefully we get CIST out in the next couple months and, you know, at least bring a, a bright spot to, uh, you know, those still reeling from 2020. Right on, right on. Well, uh, before we get into CIST, maybe we could uh, talk about horror in general and uh, and just, you know, like, uh, what got you into horror? Because I know for me, I got into horror at a very young age. Um, and then, you know, obviously I know that, that you love horror as well. Um, what what got you into horror and uh, and, and how, it, how it shaped you to uh to where you are today yeah so i um i actually had very cool parents uh i don't you know a lot of the stuff that i seen at an early age probably wasn't the greatest but i feel like my parents were able to explain everything appropriately and you know i didn't turn into a complete maniac uh <laughs> so yeah early on um i i think the very earliest memory that i have of horror is whenever the original it would come on tv i believe it would have been on the sci-fi channel at the time and my mom is also a big horror movie fan she's always loved horror movies uh she collects witches so she's she's really into that like subgenre of film and yeah she would always anytime the movie it would be on uh she would always have it on and she would tell me these stories of any time like when it would talk from the the sewers I would just be terrified. I would hide. I mean, just complete induced fear because of this, you know, this movie. And I've even rewatched it, you know, in the past couple of years. And yeah, there's parts that are kind of hokey, at least looking back now. But there's still a lot of creepy elements to that first uh, It movie with Tim Curry. So I would say that was like kind of like the first memory. Um, but then moving forward, uh, there was a local video store that would have uh, every Sunday, it would be five movies for $5.95. And this is like, you know, VHS was still the main format. DVD, I think a couple of things had been re released on DVD, but not a whole lot. And then obviously like Laserdisc. Um, but yeah, VHS was still the, the preferred platform. And every Sunday for, I mean, probably for three to four years, uh, I would rent five movies every Sunday and watch all five movies on that Sunday. So, I mean, and it was, wasn't just horror, it was action, it was comedy. But typically the way I would stagger it is I would get three horror movies and then the other two movies would either be a comedy or an action. Um, so I'm just immersing myself in the horror genre and, you know, everything from like the worst of the worst like i remember renting deadly dreams 
um mm. and it's just like this wild like i i don't think i understood low budget horror at the time and i was just kind of like this is really bad mm-hmm. and it's weird so i like say that as like a 15 year old but like 32 year old me is like deadly dreams is like the best movie ever so a lot of these <laughs> movies that i probably like threw away in the beginning because i oddly enough at 15 i was paying attention to production quality and now i'm just more into i i typically gravitate towards movies that are very unique um like i still like big budget horror films but i always like the ones that are just a little more obscure um because i feel like there's that mindset is very similar to my mindset so i like the more weird and just out there because i feel like there's a lot more uh thought that goes into some of these movies and a lot of them don't have a budget so they worked with what they got and like that was you know that kind of plays into cyst as well um but yes just early stuff like that and then i was on a podcast recently and it uh, literally just like a revelation almost it kind of hit me and the first inspiration that i feel like really clicked with me uh i believe i was in high school maybe when Cabin Fever came out and I rented that movie so many times. I got the DVD when it came out. Uh, I wore out the DVD. I mean, I watched all the special features, you know, Eli Roth did a really obscure animated um, shorts called The Rotten Fruit. So I really liked that stuff. Um, but yeah, Cabin Fever, I don't know what made it click in my brain, but it was just like, you know, this is a filmmaker who is just having fun he's grossing people out and it just seemed like a fun movie to work on. And it kind of gave me the, the hunch that I'm like, okay, maybe I want to like, this is kind of what I want to pursue in life. What I, you know, and I didn't know if it was like, maybe I should be a film critic. Like I had no clue. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in small town, Ohio. Um, and to be honest with you, like I didn't even know film school was a thing. I just assumed that, you just had to know the right people and, and get in. Like, I didn't even like, like think that was a, a thing. Mm -hmm. And I had a kid that was probably a couple grades ahead of me and he had gone to a film school here in Pittsburgh. And that was kind of my first, like, Oh, okay. Like film school is a real thing. Maybe I should start looking into this. And I visited the school. It just, it wasn't for me. It was more of the theory side of film and I was looking more for a um, hands-on experience, you know, working on sets, making short films, all that stuff with a little bit of theory mixed in there. And I was a frequent reader of Fangoria. And I believe there was, I think in the middle of one of the pages, there was an ad for Tom Savini's special effects and makeup school. And it was about, you know, 30 minutes south of Pittsburgh. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I really like horror. I've always been a fan of Tom Savini. Um, maybe I want to dive into the special effects world. So I called the administrator just to say like, hey, I'm interested, you know, how, how do I get this moving forward? <clears throat> and the more I talked to him and actually turned out to be my directing teacher, uh, Tony Milan, who did several short films. And I believe he worked on a few features. And the more he started talking to me, he's like, you know, I, I don't think that the special effects program is for you. He's like, but we do have a film program. And he thinks, he's like, I think that would be a better fit for you. So yeah, I went, ended up going to the film program, uh, worked on a bunch of shorts, got to work with Irene Miracle, who's from Midnight Express, 
Uh, got to work with Coralina Cataldi, who has been in a bunch of Argento films. So I'm already getting like interaction with a lot of people that I've already seen their movies. So I'm, you know, I'm in heaven essentially. Hmm. And from there, you know, I kind of, I did a lot of editing jobs. I did some marketing and then I fully like immersed myself with horror. But like looking back at that, you know, yeah, Cabin Fever not in a weird way it's just I guess it's just a movie I don't really think about a lot now but like looking back Cabin Fever is what triggered it for me so yeah I would say like Cabin Fever played a major influence on me and then the only one I other I always have to mention just because I remember it like it was yesterday I remember renting the 74 Texas Chainsaw Massacre and just remember sweating profusely through the whole movie because I was so scared. And this is like an age where I wasn't really like getting scared, afraid of movies. Like nothing really scared me. Right. And Texas Chainsaw was like one of the first ones that I'm like, holy shit, this is frightening. Like this is terrifying. <laughs> and, you know, watching it, I've seen it a bajillion times now, but like looking back at it, I'm just like, it's such a tense movie because of all the screams and like the pitch of the screams. Because there's, you know, it's been said a million times, but like there is no real gore in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's more so like the looming fear, the surprises. And then, yeah, like I said, it's that high pitched scream and then how consistent it is. It -hmm. just makes the human brain just like on nerve. And (laughs) it's like, I'm 15 and I'm, you know, my brain's not fully, you know, I haven't experienced much. So my brain at that age is just like, this is the most wild thing I've ever seen. So yeah, I would say those are, you know, those are two major influences. Um, and then a lot of those movies that I would rent on Sundays, they they ended up in the long run, like later in life, playing a factor in kind of what I what I make and what I like. So there's, you know, there's a lot of 80s and 70s stuff kind of sprinkled in there. But yeah, those are the those are the two main ones that really pushed me forward. Right on, man. Wow, that's incredible. I didn't know that uh, that you had went to Tom Savini's special effects school. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. uh, Yeah. The way it worked is it was it was several programs like there was a cosmetology program. uh, There was a truck like there was all sorts of different programs in this school. And the film program, at least when I went, was ran by uh, Robert Tunnell, who directed, uh, most recently directed a a family comedy called Feast of the Seven Fishes. And he also was the producer on the trauma classic uh, Surf Nazis Must Die. So like little things like that intrigued me. And then later in the school, uh, George Romero was brought in and it was, the school was renamed George A. Romero's School of Filmmaking. So it was great. It's one of the best things about being in Pittsburgh because the roots of horror in Pittsburgh, it's just so like, I mean, it just goes all the way back. And like, yeah, you've got Romero, Savini, all the dead films. I mean, there's just so much, even like films like Bloodsucking Pharaohs from Pittsburgh, like lowest of the low budget, (laughs) but it's like, there's still horror movies that were being made at that level in pittsburgh so pittsburgh just has like a very cool history of horror and yeah it was great to work with all those people uh, um bill heinzman uh the the main zombie from the original night of the living dead he was a film history teacher 
So like you're getting to meet all these people in the industry. And I think my favorite thing about that is they don't bullshit with you. They don't, you know, they're like, listen, if you don't work, like you're going to be working 14, 15 hour days, like you're going to be doing this. You're going to be doing that. You're going to start out as a PA, like just being realistic and not, you know, beating around the bush. And it's like, that helped me in the long run, just not be, you know, not be afraid of what's going to happen. And then just kind of go in with the mindset that like, this is going to be a lot of hard work, but it's something I love. So, you know, yeah, it's going to pay off at the end. So that's like the experience. And then obviously, yeah, working with Tom Savini, who is like one of the funniest guys I've ever met. And also a very, like, I don't know, I know he gets recognized for his special effects, but as an actor, he is, I mean, he's like next level good. Like he is a, a, a play actor, a stage actor, uh, obviously did a lot of crazy stunts for the movies that he did. Mm-hmm. But he's just so quirky and just has a very unique way of acting. And I've personally always been a fan of his acting, um, even in like the weird things. Like I, he did a movie called Maniac. And then he also did Night Riders with Romero. So like, yeah, I, I oddly really like Savini as an actor um, more so than the special effects artist. I mean, he's God level when it comes to special effects, but mm-hmm. I really do prefer his acting. Yeah, right on. Yeah, uh, uh, the first movie I ever saw him act in was From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, uh, yeah, Sex Machine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really at the time you know because i i can't remember exactly when i watched it but i watched it at a pretty young age and and honestly i didn't know who he really was at the time until you know later on then i realized that he had worked on dawn of the dead and maniac and you know and all and and uh yeah i just it's it's really cool to see uh him in different uh, roles i guess you know he you know he he can kind of do it all i mean he can even direct like uh the night of the yeah. living dead remake is is a masterpiece really in my eyes and i hate it's a controversial uh topic but i'll go ahead and say it i i mean i love the original but i would much rather watch the 90 version more so than the original and i i you know i don't want to say it's better but it's just watchability wise i would prefer to watch the 90 version um just because like yeah there's a lot of things especially with gore that is included in the colorized version but then you have you know people like bill Bill mosley in the film and it's just like i mean it's it's a whole nother take on it i mean yes it is almost a shot for shot but there's little things mixed in um, and yeah, I think it's one of the, if not the best remakes that's been ever, like ever made. And yeah, it just shows like, okay, it's something else Tom Savini can do. Like he's just, he, he can do it all. Like you said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I agree to, or I, I agree with you. Uh, it's one of the best remakes ever, you know, I mean, so far, I mean, I, I you know, they're always going to make remakes or or uh reimaginings of films but mm-hmm. you know for for a remake made in 1990 like that was it was cutting edge the, yeah because there weren't a, like now it's like remake after remake and I mean, a kind of silly example is the fact that they remade cabin fever shot for shot only like years after the original came out so it's like 
remakes are so common today that like yeah you're completely right it's like in 1990 for a solid remake to be made of a classic uh i mean yeah it's 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 kind of unheard of Mm -hmm. and you know especially a groundbreaking movie like that like that's that's like uh you know that's like uh someone wanting to remake the exorcist like that's gonna be really hard to beat yeah and you're already gonna get those i mean horror fans are so like i mean because and that's why i love it because they're so in love with the genre but man if you make something like that like typically i feel like the horror crowd when they hear the word remake it's just instant just you know message boards comments like people are just ready to tear it apart until it comes out and then they kind of they judge it and they're still going to be critical just because they don't want a remake of a film that they love you know it's a very touchy subject so and i like i i don't think i've ever heard anything bad said about the 90 remake of night of the living dead so yeah he accomplished a lot with that film right yeah it's and honestly i think i might have seen that one first before the uh, i think i'm in the same boat with you on that yeah i think i seen it first before i actually saw the the black and white original right and so like you know i was captivated by that i was like man like you know like because this was like new territory for me uh to where i was like man like i really love the concept of these zombies and then you know how they're interacting and and getting trying to get through the situation Mm -hmm. uh it just it really kind of opened a a door for me that was like man these movies are awesome i need to watch (laughs) more of these and then come to find out you know that was a remake and then you know then i had to go back and watch all of those and you know the rest is history (laughs) yeah and i can even remember and i see i don't remember timeline wise what i saw first but like I definitely saw 90 first and I, I almost want to say that I saw the, you know, quote unquote sequel of sorts return of the living dead before I actually saw the original night of the living dead. So I'm watching all these like return of the dead sequels uh, all the way through three. And I still haven't seen the original that it was, you know, the whole storyline was based on. So I really kind of like dove into this, you know, late eighties, nineties, resurgence of the living dead films before i had even seen the original and then come to find out i'm like oh there's an original so yeah Mm -hmm. the whole that whole world is is kind of fascinating to me because i mean i'm obsessed with return of the living dead i think it just has some of the best humor some of the best gore uh i mean dan o'bannon to me is like a genius and I think his his genius really shows in that movie just because of how many genres he can mix into one movie and oh, yeah. for it to come off flawless. Uh, it's yeah, it's such a good movie. I absolutely love Return of the Living Dead. Oh yeah. No no uh <laughs> what am I trying to say? No no contest. No yeah, no, yeah, no <laughs> contest. There we go. Yeah. Like it it it's it really is like one of the top uh, horror comedies. Oh, uh, it's like, I can't even, I mean, I'm sure if like we started naming things, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of better. But like off the top of my head, I'm like, you know, Return of the Living Dead, the best horror comedy there is. Yeah. And I can, I'm sure I could think of ones that like 
are good, but like that's the first one that comes to mind. So I mean, that's that's the one that I'm gonna say is the best. Right on. Yeah, like the the two the two top ones for me would probably be Return of the Living Dead and then uh, Dead Alive. See, there we go. I I knew you were gonna throw one out there, and I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, that's that's definitely a top contender. And yeah, yeah, Dead Alive. Like, oddly enough, I mean, I know we're gonna speak more about Sis later, but like, Dead Alive was an early influence on kind of what we wanted to do with Sis because we didn't want a a straightforward horror movie. Like, we wanted comedy elements because like everyone that was involved in the project, like we all like that mix of horror and comedy. And yeah, Dead Alive was one of the first things that we like, we, we made like a watch list of movies and you know, yeah, Dead Alive was one of the top ones that's like, okay, let's watch this, take notes. Uh, we even showed it to a couple of our actors and, and yeah, no, Dead Alive has such a big influence on Sist. Nice, nice. Yeah. and. I mean, you know, uh, well, we can, we'll get into that in a little bit, but, but yeah, I can definitely see the, uh, the over the top, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. grossness and the humor mixing together. I can totally see, see the, uh, dead alive thing going on. Oh, it's such a, yeah, such an impact on, on cyst early on. <laughs> right on it. And, uh, you know, with, with cyst, there's a lot of, uh, practical effects, um, mm-hmm. are, are you big on like practical effects over CGI or what's your take <laughs> on that whole thing? It's like practical effects, a hundred CGI zero. Uh, <laughs> I despise CGI. Um, even when it like, and I get that it makes sense budgetary wise sometimes. And then sometimes it's just like, that's what you have to do. And I, you know, I, I respect that and that's okay with me, but like, when a horror movie is all CGI effects, it's just, to me, it's too overboard. And I've always, like, even when I'm watching these movies as a kid, it's just like, if I see, you know, CGI blood or like CGI this, CGI that, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It, it defeats the realism of the movie and it kind of turns me off like instantly. And it's another thing that the whole CIS team kind of agreed on. It's like, we don't want to make a movie that has all this like CGI, you know, I don't, bullshit is probably the best word I can say. <laughs> um, and we also like with the genre that we were going for, like we wanted like a, a throwback to like 1950s horror and sci-fi. And it's like back then CGI wasn't a thing. Um, and I mean, you know, there was a few things that came after that that did have CGI, but like practical effects, especially in horror to me is so important. Uh, The roots of it are very important. And I mean, obviously I think that does come from like, you know, being around Savini and being around some of the students that were in the Savini program. And like, you know, once you see stuff like that and how it's made and how it's done, I mean, there's probably some of the hardest working if not the hardest working people on set because it's, you know, and there's a lot of things that can happen, like, uh, you know, a squib shot could go wrong, or a piece could fall off, or you only have one take to nail this. And it's like, there's a lot of pressure on the special effects crew. And even building the monster or the creature or the effect, like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that and life cast and head cast. I mean, it's just, there's so much. Um, but one of the major things that kind of plays into the practical effects 
me personally, uh, I'm like kind of obviously the the weirdo obscure horror fan out of the cis team. So one of my biggest, like once I read the script, I was just like, okay, I'm gonna show everyone uh, society. And to me, society, like I know, like if you break it down, like Carpenter's the thing technically has the best practical effects, but I also, I have to knock it down to a second peg only because society didn't even have close to the budget that the thing had. And they were able to accomplish so much, especially with like body horror and just being the most gross film that you can ever imagine. And that was one thing that like was very important to me. So initially we were supposed to film Cyst in Oklahoma. And I was just like, we're, you know, I was kind of put in charge of, okay, you got to find a special effects crew. You got to find a special effects person. And I, you know, I was racking my brain. I was looking into like people I went to school with. And then I was just like, you know, I've been friends with this guy on Facebook for, I don't know how long. And I knew that he was like kind of out of the game. He wasn't fully retired, but he was just, you know, he stepped aside from it. And, and that's uh, Nick Benson, who worked with Screaming Mad George on Society, and he did a couple of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, like special effects. And it's like, what better way to <clears throat> pay tribute to the movie that I hold very highly than to actually bring the, you know, the special effects artist out of retirement to work on this movie. Um, unfortunately, we ended up moving to Baltimore just for... Uh, Basically, we, we had a set in Oklahoma, uh, and it had asbestos, and it was going to be pretty pricey to remove it, but then at the same time, even once it was removed, it still can linger there, and like we didn't want to put anyone at risk for that, so we ended up moving it to Baltimore, and then just budgetary-wise, like Nick was West Coast, so it was just too expensive for us to kind of keep him on but he was an early early like supervisor of sorts and he gave us a lot of like concept drawings and ideas and things to do you know ways to do things cheap but effectively so like nick i mean he you know he gets a special thanks for his kind of contribution to that but once we moved to baltimore we're like okay we got to find a new effects crew and i was on uh there's a george romero foundation here in pittsburgh and I remember going to a couple meetings and there was this effects crew there, Tallinn Effects, and they just had so much insight. And I'm like, these guys are, they're like me, they love horror movies. And I almost instantly was like, we, we've got to get Tallinn Effects. I mean, it's a four hour drive from Pittsburgh to Baltimore. Like they can drive everything in their van. And I mean, those guys like blew me away. Like they, we gave them an idea of what we wanted and just let them run with it and i mean once everyone sees cyst like they're going to see how far they ran with it and also at a low budget i mean these are guys that are working for much larger budgets and just killing it but like they were so passionate that was i think that was the main thing with these guys like they were so passionate about this project that they wanted to you know they wanted to push it to the next level and they their the heart was there so I think that's why a lot of the effects came out the way they did. So 
to answer your question, even though I just went on a rant for 10 minutes, yes, practical effects over CGI any day of the week, especially when it comes to horror. Obviously, these big blockbuster movies, you know, like Star Wars and the Avengers and, and all that stuff, like, yes, CGI 100% makes sense. But when it comes to body horror or slashers or just any kind of horror film, like, you've got to go practical. Um, it's just, that's where the roots are. And that's, you know, that's what every horror fan wants. Like, I can't think of too many horror fans that I know that are like, oh yeah, I prefer CGI over practical. <laughs> like, you're not going to hear that. So that's hey. why like we all, you know, <laughs> everyone was in 100% agreement that like, yeah, practical effects is the way to go for this film. So yeah, practical all the way. Right on, right on. And, and when I watched this film, I was so happy to see that there was so much practical effects in it because I feel like uh, some of the newer lower budget films are kind of going towards like that sci-fi CGI kind of like sci-fi channel CGI. Uh, yeah. And they you are. Know, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, and you've, you've pretty much touched on this too, but I, I completely agree that, when I watched like some of these C CGI films, kind of like like the Sci-Fi Channel creature features, I I'm totally uh, like I I totally just want to take myself out of the room when I see <laughs> that kind of stuff because it's like man, I, this isn't horror to me. Like this this isn't gonna scare me because I know that these creatures are like <laughs> they look so fake. So it's like yeah. I can't take it seriously. But I can also see like uh, the humor side of it, like like those type of movies would be fun if you had like a group of friends around and you just want to yes. have a good laugh yep. fest. Like, yep, there is definitely an environment specifically for those type of movies, and you, yeah, you nailed it. It's like those movies, you got it, you know, a couple beers, maybe a couple other things, group of friends, and like you're you're going to enjoy that type of movie but if you're watching it by yourself you're just going to be like what the hell is this shit like right know, there is a big difference like uh i, I don't know what the out there's an it's a newer alligator film um i, I can't remember the was name it crawl? But it, well it wasn't crawl i did like crawl is that the one um crawl is awesome yeah um oh it was like uh rogue maybe Yes, yes, I know which one you're talking about. Haven't seen it, but yes, it, I think it was Rose. Like, like there's one where like the cover looks really cool. I'm like, oh man, like, you know, I want, I want to check that out. And uh, so I watched the preview, and towards the end, the the alligator, the crocodile was like sci-fi channel CGI, and I was like, mm -hmm. oh no, like mm. I might have to pass on that one. <laughs> Dude, I could go on. I could do a whole other podcast with you just based on alligator horror because <laughs> <laughs> it's a, such an odd thing. And like, I have an irrational fear of like crocodiles and alligators, so like, I feel like I can relate to it a little bit more. Um, but like, we talked about like before the podcast, like any like good recommendations. Um, there is a film. I want to say it's a New Zealand film. Um, and there's some incredible actors in it, but it's called Dark Age. I believe it's from like the 80s. I'm not sure the exact year, but it's just called Dark Age. Uh, the cover has a giant alligator on it. And like, that's a practical 
alligator. Like it's, I don't know if it's an animatronic, like I haven't really dove into the behind the scenes of it. Um, but yeah, that's like, I mean, I can't even, rem- I don't know if it was, but like, I feel like Lake Placid even kind of had like a good situation. I'm sure there were CGI effects in there. Um, but like, yeah, you can't do, I mean, go back to Jaws. Like you can't, I don't know, you can't CGI a shark. And I know that's been done a billion times in the past, like three years, but it's like, if you have an animal and you can't like, you, you have to get like, you have to have someone that is either in a suit or you have someone that's operating animatronics um and you know same thing with like american werewolf in london like these movies have killer animals in it and like they they do it right because like you said you it's like a cgi alligator and like you know cgi sharks it's just like i don't know if i see like that in a trailer i'm not even gonna bother watching it so right but yeah we should do an alligator episode because i could (laughs) talk for for days about alligator horror films yeah, man, I'm totally up for it. <laughs> um, well, uh, do you have any more other recommendations? Because I've never oh, heard recommendations. of that Dark Age movie. That yeah, so Dark Age, I really love. Um, oh my gosh, you hit me with that quick. Uh, <laughs> so one that I recently watched, probably within the past year or so, is uh, Tales from the Hood. And I've, re- I've always loved this movie. I've never like straight away from it but like I rewatched it recently and not to go like you know too deep into like what's going on in the world today but like Tales from the Hood has a really like serious message to it although it is like a horror comedy of sorts like there's a couple stories that like shit that's happening in the world today and this you know this is like a early to mid 90s film so there's a lot of like you know things that tie into what exactly is going on in the world today so like tales from the hood is one um it's like an ongoing joke with me and a couple people or it's just a joke with me and i just say it to people um but maniac cop 3 is like one of my favorites um only because like and this is, you know, similar to the alligator situation, like, <laughs> I could do a whole episode about burn suit scenes, like, scenes where, you know, people are on fire, like, oh, yeah, I recently saw the, the documentary on Kane Hodder, and, like, this guy's been lit on fire a bunch, and he actually suffered, like, very serious injuries because of an accident to a burn suit, so, like, I mean, I'm not going to get lit on fire, but, like, there's a, there's an appreciation for, people in burn suits and there's a scene in maniac cop where the maniac cop character is literally on fire like as he's it's just i don't want to ruin anything but there's some scenes in there with burn suits that are just like mind-blowing just how cool they are um and another one that i always like to recommend i did a whole podcast on this is uh slaughterhouse um it's 87 and it's like uh tongue-in-cheek black comedy that obviously has a little bit of tie-ins with Texas Chainsaw and even Texas Chainsaw 2 just because of the humor um and it's just a movie that like it was a hard thing like I remember I made my parents get a blockbuster card because they had a copy of Slaughterhouse like that's the links that I went and then like never went to blockbuster after that um but yeah Slaughterhouse (laughs) to me it's it's weird too and this is another thing what i like about even some of these like 
they're not bad horror movies. They're just low budget horror movies. A lot of times, and if you really pay attention and if you really, you're, you're into what you're watching, um, you're going to find some fucking great camera shots in movies like these. Like there's, there's a dolly shot in Slaughterhouse that like, I would, you know, it's, it's such a vast comparison and I'm like being somewhat sarcastic about it, but it's, it's, it's kind of real. It, there's like a, a dolly scene that's like almost on the level of like a Boogie Nights dolly scene. Um, obviously it's uncomparable, but like for a low budget horror movie from 87, like there's, it's just such a good, just like tracking shot, like really smooth, no camera bomb. I mean, it's, it's so good. And I think you find, you find a lot of that in horror films. Like it might not be the best cast. It might not be the best story, but then, you know, it's like maybe the DP is, you know, a very accomplished DP. And a lot of times with DPs and, I mean, actors and stuff, like, they get their start in horror, and then they blossom into these, like, major stars. And I mean, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is a great example because he did one of the Critters movies. So mm-hmm. I think that's another importance to horror is, like, it does launch a lot of careers. And I think it's, you know, it's the drive for a lot. It's not like they're just taking a job. It's like, okay, I'm interested in this. And it gives them experience and it gives them, you know, this drive to, to, to keep going further. So yeah, a lot of horror movies to me, and the reason I like them is if the movie's bad, but I can pull out one thing, whether it's like a line that's really funny or uh, an effects that's just like really good, or even if it's just like, if I can find like one good shot or one good scene, to me it's just like okay i enjoyed the movie just because i'm able to find one little thing so slaughterhouse is a good example uh and then the only thing else that i can recommend that i've rewatched a bunch is the the mutilator which recently i think like a couple past years got a a blu-ray release and i remember running this at like age like 14 too and it's just like 14 year old getting their mom to rent them a copy of a movie called the mutilator i mean that's <laughs> something to be said i guess but um but no it's it's i remember watching it and it just it was so like the, the version that i saw was just so murky and and dark and like you couldn't really see anything and thank goodness for like a lot of these companies that are doing these just beautiful remasters uh, the mutilator is one that like I can really appreciate because the the gore in that movie is like top tier good. So mm-hmm. I would say that's like another recommendation that you know I'm sure a lot of people have seen, but if you haven't seen it, uh, definitely check it out. Definitely try to get your hands on the I think it's Arrow that put it out, but definitely try and get your hands on the Blu-ray because it's a whole different experience. You really see the gore. You can actually see the people because it's not like so saturated and dark. Um, but yeah, Mutilator, Maniac Cop 3. Uh, I don't even remember the other one that I said, but yeah, those are the, those dark are some ages. of the good ones. Dark Age, Dark Age is another good one. Um, yeah, uh, those are, those are some of the best. Oh, Tales from the Hood. That was the other one. Oh, so like, yeah. <clears throat> those are all, you know, recent ones that I've seen I mean again I could probably go on a whole nother podcast with just like I could probably break it down by year by year and it's like okay here's my list of top 10 from like 88 um Uh but yeah those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head um 
And then even if you look those titles up on IMDb, I'm sure a lot of the suggested titles are just going to be as good as the movies that I recommended. So, you know, yeah. I feel yeah. Right on, man. Dive into any of those. Yeah, right on. Uh, Tales in the Hood is a great movie. Uh, I actually watched that. Uh, I mean, I've seen it years ago, but I recently watched it as well, like within the past six months. And, and that was just because <clears throat> at the time I hadn't seen the new, or well, I guess there's a third one, but I hadn't seen yeah. Tales <laughs> from the Hood 2 yet. And I was like, I'm going to rewatch the first one because it's been a long time. And it, you know, just to see if there's any tie-ins. But, you know, of course it was a whole separate movie but with the same formula mm-hmm. and uh which yeah isn't uh tony todd and keith david aren't they in like the the sequels yeah keith david is in the second one and then tony todd's in the third one which i haven't gotcha. seen the third one yet because i think yeah, that just i haven't checked any of those out. out but like i love you know do you think there's any like redeeming qualities from like the second or th- well the second one i guess that's the one that you said you saw um so like it was it was kind of mixed with me as far as like there was a couple good stories and then there's mm-hmm. there's maybe one that I I don't know was losing interest in. Uh, they do use a little bit of CGI uh, towards the end for sure, but uh, I mean it it was okay. I mean obviously the first one is probably going to be the superior one out of the series. Yeah, uh, but. You know, Keith David does a really good job. I mean, I haven't really I seen him. I mean, it's him Keith David. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's never really had a bad role. So, uh, you know, I thought he did a phenomenal job being uh, the devil. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll still watch the uh, the third one just to see, you know, how Tony Todd is. I'm, I'm assuming he's probably going to be the devil in that one. Yeah. Uh, and it's like you, you kind of like, you know, there's there's something to be said about that, too. It's like, OK, like the movie not be might not be great, but you're getting these like stars like, you know, even especially Keith David. I mean, the guy's a legend when it comes to acting. And, you know, it's, if anything, it's like appreciate Keith David stuff in there, even though like everything else might not be good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm a big Keith David supporter and that was actually someone that like we when we were drawing out the list for cyst of people we want to work with keith david was like at the top um i believe he was might have been a budgetary thing but he also might been might have been unavailable because i know he's done a lot of projects just within like the past two years so but yeah we all we all love keith david (laughs) right on oh my god that would have been amazing if he could have (laughs) gotten keith david in there Oh God, Keith David and George Hardy. I don't even know what insanity would have came from that. So <laughs> right. if we if, if we do a second cyst and we find a way to bring Keith David in and then find a way to get George Hardy, I mean, gosh, or even just to do a movie with George Hardy and Keith David. I mean, you talk about psychotic. <laughs> That's exactly what you would get. <laughs> so if someone's out there and wants to write a movie with for Keith David and George Hardy, uh, please do, because I would love to see that movie. Me too, man. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just we'll kind of dive into assist, uh, and uh, you know, because yeah. speaking of George Hardy, um, <laughs> he, you know, he. So this this was crazy, and this is one thing I didn't really realize when I watched the movie, but uh, I have seen Troll Two, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really cool to see not one, but two cast members from Troll 2 in this. Two of them, yep. Yeah, and I don't know if a lot of people are going to realize that initially. Um, but, like, yeah, we were able to get George, who me and my, like, group, we, we've worked with George, like, several times now. We love him. He's so... He, if you have a bad day on set, I like guarantee you George Hardy will change that mood instantly just by like smiling or laughing. Like every set needs a George Hardy because he's just such a life of air and he's so funny, so goofy. Um, he's just, he's just such a good person to have on set. But yeah, we got uh, George Hardy and Darren Ewing who, you know, control two is known as the, the, Oh my God guy. Uh, we even kind of, <laughs> pay tribute to that a little bit in the movie so yeah just the idea of of george having darren as his assistant and that just being like a a true callback to troll 2 um it was you know it was just it was so cool to do and you know one of the things that as a as a fan of troll 2 seeing so like george and darren hadn't really seen each other too much um, we did a screening of uh, our movie Texas Cotton in Salt Lake City in 2016, and I think that was the first time that it, they had seen each other since uh, Best Worst Movie, and it was just so surreal. So like George was already on set, and Darren arrived I think on my like day two. Just the emotion <laughs> that came into the room when those two saw each other again. I mean, it was like it, nothing else. Like you, you can't even compare it to any other feeling. Just such a cool feeling to see like these cult actors kind of reunite and yeah they both killed it on sis like both <laughs> both actors were amazing yeah yeah that, that's amazing to hear uh man yeah and they 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 killed it in their roles uh i thought george played a a really uh uh a, how to over this like he, he was a good he was good at being a, psych, a psychotic doctor that's for sure <laughs> yes and like this role i mean it couldn't have there's no other person that i can think of that this role was wrote for besides george hardy like this is to me this is the best role for george and it was cool to see because george like you know, a lot of it obviously was scripted, but like there was so much that George like brought to the table, like improv wise and <laughs> just seeing that, like, I mean, the, the guy's a madman and <laughs> the fact that he gets to play a madman in a movie is it's perfect. And yeah, it, it literally, it was made for George. Like no one else could have done that. Right. And, and then I, I have to say something about Darren, uh, I I really liked his approach at being like the the unsure assistant. Like he's like, uh, is this a good idea? You know, like he just kind of has like that that mentality. Like he wasn't sure if he wanted to go through with, you know, the procedure. And, and uh... <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of that, like uh, especially in like you know sci sci-fi TV shows or early like early like poor tv shows or series um there's always that one character um and i don't want to say like the nerdy character but like kind of like a side character that is indeed intelligent and has logical thinking and he's always the voice of reason and like darren is that person and god he nailed it so well i mean i feel 
an, a little peek behind the scenes. Uh, so when everyone watches Fist, the glasses that Darren wears in the movie, um, they, they you couldn't even see out them. That like the prescription was that high. <laughs> and we didn't have time to, you know, inter intermix the, the glasses. He was such a trooper. Like he, I mean, he got like nauseous a few times. So he would like typically take breaks in between scenes. But the fact that he was able to have those glasses on even for like two minutes, I mean, <clears throat> he, he deserves a, an Academy Award for that just because <laughs> like, dude, I, you know, I looked through them and like i do wear glasses and these prescript i mean yeah you couldn't you couldn't even see anything out of it and he was a trooper and he you know did the whole did all of his parts with those glasses on so wow. yeah it just it, um, amazing like i i don't know a lot of people that would be able to do that and darren did it wow that's awesome man uh it, uh so since we're kind of like on talking about the cast, uh, another face that uh, was familiar was uh, Gene Jones. He was kind of the yes. comedic relief in the film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure is. So, like, you know, yeah, and he's Gene, been in movies. Uh, he like, added uh, a lot to it. Right, right. Yeah, like, like I, yeah. I, I noticed him from like. Uh, no country for old men and uh, mm -hmm. uh, the sacrament. So, like, what was like? How did you guys get him on board? So we had worked with Gene prior. So a majority of the cast of Sist is from Tyler Russell, the director's his second movie, Texas Cotton, and we worked with Gene. We worked with Terry. We worked with George. We worked with Torin. So like pretty much the cast of Sistu is most of the cast from Texas Cotton. Mm. And we had worked with Gene before, the most lovable guy ever, always just like, I mean, it, it, it's like, there's something, there's something that should be said. And I, I think this is like with sports or with anything, having someone that is so like, just, you know, someone that's been in the game for a while. Uh, mm. And, and Gene is that person, like the, the guy's, done everything i mean he's he's even been on Chappelle's show like i mean there's literally nothing that the guy hasn't done right. so having someone like that on set um it's just kind of like yeah he's like the judge he he's like the most important and he, he with his character he so we had you know basic outline of his character in the script but he like you know he did his own thing and he he brought his own ideas and he even made suggestions on like how to do certain things um and i mean <clears throat> he talks about it uh he recently did his first interview with a, a podcast called slashers pod and there's a a scene in his movie sacrament that he i mean he does like this i don't know if it's 15 minutes but it's like this really long dialogue and he did it like one take i'm pretty sure uh, so like he, I mean, the guy has acting chops and he is so brilliantly just like absolutely brilliant, but also to me, like underutilized. And I think he's one of those guys that like, I think he's going to start popping up in some stuff that's coming out next year. That's going to, you know, some really big stuff. So I, you know, having Gene on set was great. Um, and yes, he did add that like comedic value to it. Um, 
yeah, Mr. Sherman is is one of my favorite characters in the movie. Yeah, no, Gene Gene was great. Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's he's definitely a great actor for sure. So uh this this movie, if you know, people haven't seen this yet, uh is basically about a a mutant cyst that uh pretty much wreaks havoc <laughs> at the doctor's office. Um, what like was the idea for making this film? Was that like, uh, like how how did you guys think that let's make a, a cyst come to life and start killing people? Like that's just something super random. <laughs> so yeah, the writers, <clears throat> uh, the Andy Silverman, who is one of the other producers, and Tyler, the director they kind of had this idea and I guess Tyler said it a few times in interviews but he was visiting George like over the summer and he saw George in like all black scrubs and he had never seen a doctor or dentist in all black scrubs and he was like there there are some scary elements to that so like that was an idea but then on top of that like I mean, the, the Dr. Pimple Popper craze, it's, it's still going. Like, people, <laughs> there's people out there that will literally just watch cyst popping videos. <laughs> I mean, uh, not exactly for me. Did I watch a bunch of them? Yes. But, like, <laughs> that is, you know, that's a trend. And, wow. And like, she's got millions and millions of followers. And it's just like, okay, the, the audience is there for that. And that's a lot of them, I'm sure, aren't even like, horror movie audience but you know if they see a movie called cyst they might check it out and then the other factor was was um in that like in the 50s there was actually like laser technology was kind of like in its like infancy and was being tested out a lot at doctor's offices and a lot of it dermatologists and like doctors like that were using that technology to make it more affordable for people to get procedures. So, you know, there is some, you know, if, if you want to stay based on true events, loosely, yes, uh, cyst was based on true events because that's what doctors were doing. And obviously we, you know, spun that into a horror movie. Um, and then, yeah, obviously like once you see the movie, uh, a lot of influences from like, even like the original thing, Twilight Zone, uh, a lot of the 1950s style stuff. And then recently we had a couple, I mean, a handful of people that saw a screener of the film. Uh, they kept comparing it to like, this reminds me so much of Little Shop of Horrors. And I had, I mean, obviously on my radar, I know about the movie. I've seen scenes, but I've never actually watched the movie. And once people started saying that, I'm like, okay, I got to check this out. And couldn't be more spot on. So if there's any listeners that really like you know, Little Shop of Horrors, then Cyst is probably for you because there's a lot of similar elements that are in Cyst that were also in Little Shop of Horrors. So it, yeah, it's just kind of like a buffet of those ideas mixed into one, throw in some cult actors, some legendary actors, and that's what you get with Cyst. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. I didn't realize that sort of connection, but now I can really see the Little Shop of Horrors element. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we like oh. none of us had seen it. Uh, I think Andy, the other producer, he had seen it, but like a lot of us hadn't seen that movie. And once people started saying that, we're like, 
like you know there's there's a lot of truth to that because yeah and even it's it's even crazier like the connections too is uh steve martin's character in little shop of horrors is a dentist so there is some like reality to that and it's just you know it's it's something else to be said so yeah that's like one of the big comparisons that we got a lot right on right on and uh so there's something another element that uh that i thought was really interesting was um you know a lot of newer movies they want to you know because nostalgia is really big right now so uh everyone wants to make a movie set in the 80s Mm -hmm. i i I thought it was interesting that you guys made a movie set in the 60s because you never really see see that a whole lot yeah and that was something that like we all like that style because it's a very like there is a lot of dry humor in some of these 1950s horror and sci-fi films and we all love that so we wanted that element um because yeah you're right uh the 80s right now in particular and i think things like stranger things kind of like push that a little bit further like the nostalgia and like people going back to that decade and stuff which is cool and yeah i i love the 80s like there's a lot of good horror that came out of the 80s right um but yeah we wanted like uh just an old school horror comedy and i think one of the other things is we wanted to make a fun movie like if you're watching cyst and you're taking it seriously i mean you're watching the wrong movie uh i think it's it's a movie called cyst so if if you're if you're looking for plot hole like if you're looking for any of that uh i mean i don't really know how to fight that like if you don't like the movie you don't like the movie but like also cyst is just like it's a fun movie i mean and yeah once again that's the one of the things that i always say to people it's like it's a movie called cyst so you get what you expect there's no no hitting meanings to this there's no you know, there's no twist. There's no, like, you know, there's none of that. It's a movie called Cyst and it's about cysts. Yeah, so it's that's what we forward. went with. <laughs> you know, it, the, the, the <laughs> yeah, premise very is straight pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what we all like in movies. Like, yeah, we like our twists and turns and we like, you know, we like stuff that is is like, you know, Tarantino style. Um, but it's movie making is all about having fun it's all about getting together with your friends and making a really cool project and releasing it. And then, you know, the big payoff is, yeah, obviously the movie makes money, but then the other payoff is you get, you give an audience joy out of something. So if like, to me, if like one person likes the movie and raves about it, I couldn't be happier because I made someone's life, like, you know, someone's day, at least for, you know, 69, 70 minutes, I gave them some kind of like, you know, joy, like whether they were grossed out, whether they were, you know, laughing, like any of that. So to me, that's like one of the big rewards with cyst is like, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to watch it and just have a great time. Um, And I think that's kind of what can be said for the movies that are tied into this and like, you know, troll two in the room to me, like those, yeah, don't, (laughs) they're not meant to be taken seriously at all. (laughs) they're meant to be watched with your friends or even by yourself and enjoyed. And, you know, it's like, they're good time movies. Like, and that's, that's what Sist is. It's just meant to, you know, it's meant to be watched by yourself or with a group of people and then just, just have fun with it. Like, 
and uh, that's that's the importance of cyst yeah and and to add to that i think uh it's really important to point out that this is a movie that you can watch by yourself and enjoy unlike some of those sci-fi channel movies yeah Um, yeah yeah. exactly yeah and you know and and that says a lot so uh yeah, I thought you guys did a phenomenal job on Cyst, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll see more of this. Well, our plan, <laughs> our our tentative plan is uh, even when we were filming Cyst one, is we want to do several Cyst movies, um, but set through the decades. So, like the next uh-huh. one would be the '60s, and there's one after that '70s, '80s, and then maybe '90s. Or we can get really weird and just skip from the 1950s to the 1980s or the 1970s um and then we've all we've all joked about like the different titles that we would have like mary cystmas i mean having like because the weird thing about cyst as well is we filmed in december in baltimore and one of the locations that we filmed at was a diner in baltimore and yeah it had christmas decorations up so like We've always joked that, like, yes, yeah, Cyst is a a, hor- uh, a horror Christmas movie, um, <laughs> but we also we've also discussed like maybe we just do a, a full blown Cyst Christmas movie. Uh, another one that we did, which is just just, <laughs> just crazy. I don't even know. Uh, is Sister Act? So maybe <sighs> there would be a a sister to the Cyst. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of weird ideas that have came through. So. You know, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, Cyst One does well, and we're able to make more Cyst movies and and just have fun with it because that's that's what the original Cyst is about. So I don't ever, I don't ever want to make a serious Cyst movie. Um, I want to have fun with it and and yeah, make a movie called Cyst Two Sister Act. Like that's that's my goal in life. <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah yeah it, it definitely looked like it was a lot of fun to work on and uh, oh it was a blast man yeah uh so like i i read that uh raven raven banner has picked up this movie on their catalog uh are they Correct, gonna be yes. are they gonna be distributing the the physical release or anything or so we actually have another distributor attached to the film in addition to raven banner um which i believe once the movie comes out that and there should be an announcement coming soon um so yeah there is another distributor attached and then yeah once they make that announcement then you know you'll start to hear about what what platforms you can see cyst on um but you know it will be in 2021 so just kind of be on the lookout for that okay right on man um and then i guess uh I mean, I know you probably touched a little bit on on this question I'm about to ask, but uh, did you have, like, you know, being a producer on this film, what kind of creative control did you have in this film? So I had more than you would expect, um, only because, like, so one of the reasons why uh, Tyler kind of brought me in as a producer is, I, I mean, in addition to having experience, but like, I'm, I'm a horror fan. So I know what turns me off and what I do like in horror films. Um, Cause at the end of the day, like no matter whether I'm producing, directing, act, I mean, anything, 
um, I'm a horror fan. So I know what I like and I know what my friends like and I know what the horror community likes. So a lot of it was me like, you know, even on set being like, uh, I think we should do another take on that because of, of whatever reason. So a lot of my fandom played a role pretty heavily in CIST. Um, and even, you know, even the special effects crew, obviously they're, you know, horror fans as well. So there was a lot of horror fans on set that contributed to CIST to make it a movie that horror fans love. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of hands-on especially with like the ideas and concepts. And I mean, the other producer, Andy Silverman, I mean, he was one of the, the co-writers of the script. So even like little things that like he would add to it. I mean, there, there was a lot of different hands in the melting pot that contributed to SIS. Um, but yeah, I would say my biggest role as a producer, obviously doing the, the normal producing things, but also being a horror fan and just giving ideas here and there uh, about what I think would work and what wouldn't work. Nice. Nice, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I've said this before, but I did enjoy cyst. I thought it was a really fun comedy horror film and uh, it might not be for everybody just because there are a lot of gross out <laughs> elements in the film, but you know, for like the seasoned horror fans that can, you know, you know, that do have, that does have a stomach for this kind of film. I think it's, it's one to definitely check out. Yeah. And again, to end it on a, a note, it's, a, it's a movie called cyst. So <laughs> if you don't like cysts, then probably not for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Hey man, uh, due to some of the time constraints on my end, I might have to cut this a little short. But, uh, you know, I know we didn't get to, uh, like, adjust your tracking and uh, maybe some of the other topics. So I'll definitely want to have you on again. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because there's, I mean, like I said, in addition to the <laughs> the alligator genre, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a VHS collector. So, like, my love for VHS is, is pretty unmatched. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a, a very interesting discussion on that. And then on top top of that yeah i mean we've, we've got other projects in the line and then greg sestero uh he's going to be releasing his next movie hopefully in 2021 so yeah there's a lot of cool stuff coming out from uh from our little core group nice nice it, yeah i'm a vhs collector as well so we could probably do a whole other podcast on that <laughs> let's do a vhs episode i would i would love that heck yeah for sure do you do you have a favorite universal monster film or what or do you have a favorite universal monster? Oh boy. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to say uh, creature from the black lagoon is, okay. is probably my favorite. Uh, it's just like, so I, and it, it doesn't really tie in the creature of the black lagoon, but I, one of the subgenres of horror that I like is like backwoods, like wilderness horror. Um, even if, you know, even if it's not like hillbilly horror, I, I like films like Just Before Dawn. Uh, there's a lot of films that are just shot in the woods and outdoors that I, I just really love. And I think Creature from the Black Lagoon is one of those ones, just like the underwater scenes. I mean, the suit itself is, is unmatched. I mean, God, that is such a good monster suit. Um, and I think like, you know, I, 
I would definitely open up a, a conversation that might turn into an argument. But to me, like the creature suit is one of the best universal creatures, like as far as just like overall look goes. Um, so yeah, creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, I would say probably a second close runner up is, is the mummy. Um, only because I like <clears throat> even the first mummy film there's a lot of weird spin-offs that came from the mummy franchise uh there's even like a really good uh abbott and costello meet the mummy so i really like the mummy but just for the like the subgenres and the, the sub films that it kind of came from the original nice i think you're like the first guest i've had that has mentioned the mummy <laughs> it's it's a weird one it's it's a weird one because yeah it's like you know typically it's like dracula frankenstein like those are the the two main ones i feel mm -hmm. um but you even got like you know yeah the creature from the black lagoon you've got bride of frankenstein you've got the invisible man uh which i i hope you can keep this in the podcast because i am very passionate about it uh so i just recently in the past couple of nights watched the new invisible man uh, I loved it and I recommend it to anyone and you know they're they're right it's rightful to form their own opinion on the movie but I loved it uh, I thought Elizabeth Moss was nailed it like she acted with her facial expressions which I mean not a lot of people do that now uh, but yes the the new invisible man I did thoroughly enjoy right hey I 100% uh, agree with you like I I really enjoyed it I was one of those viewers that uh, I went into this with, uh, you know, taking it as a grain of salt. I was like, man, you know, this could either be really good or really bad. And I was very surprised of how well, uh, like how good this movie was. And, uh, you know, I definitely recommend everyone to check it out who hasn't seen it. Yeah. I went in the same mentality. I went in saying, I'm going to hate this. I don't even know why I'm watching this. This is two hours. I can't believe I'm doing this. Like that was in my brain and it had me hooked within the first 15 minutes. It had me hooked. So yeah, please, if you haven't check out the, the new invisible man. Right on, right on. And uh, I really hope that uh, Blumhouse kind of goes forward with uh, maybe some other universal monster films and i think so too and if if they keep the the same kind of like the way they had invisible man i think was the perfect layout like you get some just great i think the the most important thing about movies like that is getting a great cast yes. um and i think sticking not not only like the invisible man it did stick to the story of the invisible man but it had its own elements so I think that, yeah, the, the new Invisible Man was, it, it did everything right. Um, and there was only like a few flaws that I noticed, but like nothing that like ruined the movie. So yeah, if you, if you get a chance, please check out the new Invisible Man. Yep. Yep. I, I, I loved the, uh, the modern take on it too. Like the way that they had written everything for the film couldn't have worked any other way. Like this had to be made in modern time for for the film to work and they executed it very well oh it's just there's uh there's shots in it that are just like you're literally looking at uh an empty room and it's i've seen it in a couple other movies where you're just kind of looking at one solid shot and like your brain is expecting something um so there's a lot of things like 
that in the movie that it just I don't know I, I love stuff like that so there's a lot of tense moments in it which is what I want in horror for sure for sure well hey Travis man this has been a lot of fun and I definitely want to have you back on again and and just talk more horror in general um is there anything that you want to plug in that you want people to check out yeah, um, I guess the best thing is uh, Cyst is on Facebook and Twitter, just Cyst Movie. Uh, um, you should be able to find it. And then for other updates, uh, Raven Banner, uh, they will be updating things on their website and their platforms. And yeah, I think the, uh, the release should be announced soon. So kind of just stay in touch with that. And, and hopefully it's, uh, you, know, you know, make sure you check it out. It's, it's a short watch. It doesn't overstay its welcome, and it's a movie called Cyst, and it's about a cyst. Awesome, man. Right on. Hey, thank you so much, Travis. You're welcome, man. Have a good one. Well, that was my interview with Travis Ayers. I just want to say thank you again, Travis, for coming to the show. Uh, I had a lot of fun, and uh, sorry that uh, I had to kind of cut our interview time a little bit. Uh, But I definitely want to have you back on again because... Uh, there's some other things that we didn't really get to talk about like uh, the VHS documentary adjust your tracking and then uh, you know maybe we could dive into the the VHS collecting and uh, maybe even talk about the killer crocodile films uh, a little bit more (laughs) Um, so yeah Um, if you want to keep up on Sist the movie uh, go over to ravenbannerentertainment.com and just check there periodically or follow them on social media and uh, just kind of keep your eyes peeled for when you can watch Sis the Movie uh, via video on demand or if they do make a physical uh, release. Um, that's probably your best bet as, uh, as to uh, keep tabs on them if you're interested in watching the movie. Uh, my personal opinion, I, I think it's a, a fun creature feature film and, uh, you know, it's got cult actors in it and it was, it was, uh, awesome to see some actors that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, so yeah, uh, check it out. Also want to mention, um, you can follow me on social media platforms at Root Horror Podcast. I'm also on Twitter at Root Horror Pod. And you can also email me at rudehorror at gmail.com. Now, I want to mention my email again because uh, on my new segment, Root Horror Music Corner, which I don't know if I want to keep that name or not. Uh, couldn't really think of anything better. but uh, So th- that'll work for right now. But if you're a band or uh, an artist that wants to have their music played on my show to, you know get more uh, exposure or you know just to kind of get your name out there email me at rudehor at gmail.com and we'll talk from there or you can message me on my social medias and uh, I'll see if I can get your music on my show also want to mention uh, if you're not following the rudehor podcast uh, on the social media platforms make sure to to follow me and uh that way you're keeping up to date with when i release my shows and uh and 
if you like the show, give me a five-star rating on wherever you listen to the Root Horror Podcast. It, it really helps uh, boost the ratings on my show and uh, kind of makes it to where people can uh, see my show a little better. You know, if it bumps up on the list of things that uh, most likely people will be able to, to watch or listen to my show. I would, and I would greatly appreciate it. Just let me know if you give me a five-star rating. And uh, uh, I'll try to, uh, I don't know. I haven't really quite thought of what, you know. I don't want to say get stickers made or patches or, you know. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I would just greatly appreciate it, you know. And then also, if you want to be a supporter on my show, go to my Anchor site at uh, anchor.fm forward slash root horror podcast and if you'd like to be a supporter you can uh, uh give the show at least a dollar a month and uh that really helps uh fuel the show and kind of helps helps me keep this thing going and uh, i will greatly appreciate if you guys become supporters I want to mention uh, Midwest Monster Fest is a horror and pop culture convention that will be taking place at the Rust Belt in East Moline, Illinois, uh, September 3rd, 4th, and 5th of 2021. Uh, I highly encourage you guys to uh, check out Midwest Monster Fest if you've never been to a convention before. Uh, The first one that they held was uh, an absolute blast and uh, got to meet so many celebrities and uh people that i haven't seen in a while and uh just there's a lot of very cool vendors in uh a film fest they have an uh monster fest film fest or i should my bad midwest monster fest film fest and uh i'm not sure when the deadline is but if you're a filmmaker and have a movie that you you know would like to submit to a film festival check out Midwest Monster Fest is film festival and I think you can get to how to uh, submit on uh, midwestmonsterfest.com so check it out guys tickets are available as well if you just want to attend uh, I I highly encourage it it's it's up there with like Days of the Dead and you know Horror Hound and, and uh, conventions like that like I think it's it's a fun convention to go to and uh y'all should go also want to mention uh the horror clothing company paul bear press they are phenomenal uh clothing company that i buy shirts from all the time their quality is top notch and uh so if you're shopping for horror merchandise as far as like t-shirts uh uh hats patches uh i mean you name it go to paulbearpress.com and uh and start shopping there's lots of uh very cool designs i know the newest one that they just put up was uh, a long sleeve shirt of the beyond that looks fucking awesome so uh yeah that's that's just one thing just go check it out and uh you won't be disappointed so moving on to the end of my show Rude Horror Music Corner uh, presents the band called The Unscarred. They are a uh, 
five-piece metal band from the state of Maine. And uh, I'll be playing their song, Rhyme Without Reason, today. And uh, I want to say, fun fact, the basis for this band is uh, producer and director. And he's made several short horror films, uh, including a segment in Dread Central's Monsterland. He made the segment, Don't Go in the Lake. Uh, he made a segment in The Invoking 2, uh, Charlotte, uh, 60 Seconds to Die, and The Witching, to name a few movies. Um, and then I want to mention the Unscarred's new single, Serenity, releases January 12th on Spotify, so stay tuned for that. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram at The Unscarred Band to keep up to date with their music and, uh, and uh, where they're going and possibly uh, merch I would assume possibly you can get their merch on their Facebook website but uh, yeah if you like the music just go follow them and uh, you know just follow everything that they do and uh, and where they're going and uh, and so uh, here's their song rhyme without reason off of their 2019 album prelude Enjoy the song, and then go watch a horror movie, and stay tuned for the next Rude Horror Podcast episode. Turn back. 